Hello, hello, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, the podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. The triumphs and the tribulations, they're all in here. I'm Naomi Meller, vet and podcaster, and we are into season two. So 2020 has been quite the year, which for a lot of us has featured more tribulations than triumphs, if we're honest. So in the spirit of recognising that the pandemic has upended a lot of people's finances, we thought we'd bring you a new series of conversations around money. We're being supported for this season by VetU, a veterinary-led community encouraging you to face up to your finances, to get the help and advice you need and start paving the way to a brilliant financial future, whether that's starting your own business or planning for your retirement. Everyone involved in VetU has had highs and lows in their own financial journeys. So this season is all about telling you the stories of our community to help you make the most of your finances. Most important of all, we want to hear from you over the next few weeks. Send us an email at hello at vetu.co.uk. Drop me a DM at Naomi the Vet or write us a review on Apple Podcasts with your thoughts and feedback and we'll be featuring a few of them each week. We really want to know what you think about money, about pay in the profession, about whether you even give your financial future a second thought or anything else you fancy. Last week, we discussed a little bit about income protection in that really moving conversation with Chris and Sarah McIntosh. And then after that, Susan Donaldson popped a comment in the VSGD Facebook group to say, I think most of us in equine practice realise how dangerous our job is, but the Beaver survey a few years ago really drove that home. I've also had a good few friends and colleagues injured at work, and I wouldn't be without income protection. So... It's confession time for me. As an equine vet, I haven't had any income protection for probably about 12 years now. But after chatting to a few people who've used it since recording that episode and hearing some of your stories from those of you out there who've used it, it really struck me that it's something you don't think you need until you really do. I considered it to just be an expense that I didn't need to be paying, but I'm definitely revisiting my thinking on this one. So thank you, Chris and Sarah. You have done me a favour. Today, we've got the second part of my chat with Libby Kemker and Thompson and Jenny Guyatt, both career coaches with a huge interest in money mindset that really comes across in their conversation. In this episode, they are discussing the ins and outs of money mindset as a vet, how the attitudes of the general public can crush our confidence around money, and how changing your money mindset can really change your earning potential in your entire career. For me, underlying a lot of the money mindset um, issues that people can have are two real biggies that I will tend to work with on because the first one, and I think this is one of the reasons why money is so emotionally pokey for us. I mean, partly it's because in the modern day, it's our survival. It is our cyber tooth tiger in that way. Um, But another massive part of it is that it's totally linked to your self-belief and your self-worth and how much value you think you provide and how much you think feel you are worthy and deserving to receive so so we will never out earn our level of self-belief and certainly I don't know if you find this Libby I when when quite a lot of my clients come to me their self-belief and confidence is often on the floor and we're we're just we're just needing to really work on that Um, the other aspect that's underlying a lot of this is our capacity to receive 
So as Libby was saying, sometimes when you're there in your conscious mind and you're going, I want this amount, I feel I deserve this amount, I'm going to go for this amount, we can then self-sabotage if we're not, if we're not also working on our capacity to receive. Now, most of us, particularly women, are shocking at our ability to receive, and that's on all levels. So whether that's receiving pleasure, whether that's receiving compliments, um, receiving help, certainly with receiving money. And I think most of us would would recognize that. And it's that's an area that we actively have to work on because I like to think of your your there's one thing cranking the tap and generating more money. That's actually relatively easy to do. But if the if the integrity of the bucket that the money's going into, if your money mindset bucket has got holes in it because you don't believe in yourself enough, because you're not willing to receive, your precious money that's coming in will all leak out of those holes. So I have a three-step process with it. Um, and step one is working with the subconscious. Step two is working with the energetics. You've heard Libby talk about frequency, vibration. That's where it goes a little bit down the woo rabbit hole. And so you have to be, be willing to be thinking about it in a different way and be open. And the third part is then the practical stuff. It's having a plan. It's, it's creating the systems, the behaviors, the habits, the structures, so that you can hang on to your lovely money once you started to, to generate it. So with the subconscious level, that's going down and finding our money stories. You know, we all have money stories. Any time you're going to up level, your money stories will come back up at you and they will need another layer of, of working on. The first stage is kind of understanding those subconscious limiting beliefs. The second stage, what I think of as working on the energetics is, and this is also one, is this is basically working on the capacity to receive. So we can get there in our minds fairly quickly. We can logically say, okay, yeah, I can see I've got these limiting beliefs about money and I now know that I want to earn five grand a month or whatever. Um, but our, 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 our body doesn't yet believe that that's possible. Or we haven't, we've consciously got there in our mind, but we haven't rewired the neural networks to bring us into alignment with that. If you want to change the subconscious, it, the subconscious loves repetition. And it's, it's also about tuning in regularly to not just the, we're all quite good at thinking. Often we're all up in our heads a bit too much. We have to connect that with feeling so that's where stuff like making vision boards or spending time, you know, if you if you have a meditative or mindfulness practice in the morning for a couple of minutes after that's finished, just immersing yourself in the feeling of what it would be like when you're pulling in five grand a month or when you have that house or when you're able to afford a lovely holiday each year or whatever it is that your your goal is. It breaks my bloody heart and it, it's a real it's a tragedy that we're in this situation where we constantly are having to justify a job that has an effect and that gets into your brain and the world that we perceive as vets is damaging it is psychologically damaging I've got to be really blunt about this because I don't think we perhaps focus on this aspect of it enough when we're talking about this big subject of mental health and resilience in vets we somehow imply that it's it's almost a bit like victim blaming to say you've got to be more resilient and I think our profession could be doing a lot more around this subject of commerciality and about charging for your professional services we discount the most out of any of the professions out there vets discount on average 45 percent of the time compared to accountants zero percent pharmacists zero percent you know a garage mechanic will only discount 10 percent of their worth and do you stand there quibbling when you go for your mot and they present you with a bill for 800 quid no you bloody don't because you need to get in that car and drive away however with a vets we have this ridiculous perception that somehow we can look at the bill and go how much that's not fair you should care about animals. You should. And so this has a massively damaging effect on the long-term money mindset for people. 
And I think this is all pervasive. I think it goes everywhere. So one of the, the biggest things that, that I, I start with is getting people to identify um, what do you want to use money for? You know, how could money be an effective tool? How could you use it to help yourself, your family? And how could you use it to help others? How can you use it to create opportunities? And I have to unlock those wheels because usually they've been so battered down with this ongoing abuse of, of our image and our identity. It's so interesting because quite often when people ask me about my own diversification journey, who, who aren't within the vet profession, when you tell them that the average net profit of a vet practice in the UK is 5%, they look at you gone out. They're just, they can't, you know, legal firms are up at 25%. You know, it's that there's a lot of lack of awareness and gone are the heady days when we were sort of on a, on a pedestal in the way that we were sort of certainly 20 years ago when I was at vet school. So it's, what can we be doing about that? How can we be getting better at communicating? How can we be getting better at communicating the value that we provide to our clients? Because, a lot of times those comments are not actually that they come from a lack of awareness they that it's it, often when you explain it to people they go oh okay i totally get why it's that expensive now and and they reframe it so we're not doing enough of that back in the dark ages 20 years ago when i was being trained how to consult we had nothing on the fact that you're doing a financial negotiation with with people several times a day and also that we're a distressed purchase you know it's not like it's not like if you take preventative healthcare out of it, nobody wanted their pet to be sick. They hadn't necessarily planned for it. And, and so we are a distressed purchase and it's very easy as vets for us to internalise the responsibility for that. Money is one of those things where it means nothing in itself. You know, we used to trade in bloody avocados and seashells. So we'd swap value for value. Now we swap a little bit of paper with a number on it for value so we give our professional time we give a service and we we expect a value swap for that but when you're constantly being told that you're not valuable enough exactly as you said Jen it affects your own self-value and money is no longer positively serving you and you begin to reflect that in other areas of your life because money is becoming a weapon that hurts you and you're constantly being told you should care about animals you know you should you should you should do this for free because you care. So the implication is you don't care. There is this massive link in our brains between um, value and worth. And as, and as soon as we start to link our intrinsic self-worth to an external relevant object, that is a dangerous place to be in. And what happens is then it becomes a control aspect and it becomes about limiting your opportunities. And so when I work with people, what tends to happen is they've lost the ability to project beyond their salary. They can't imagine. Like I start talking to them about six-figure months and they're like, I'm sorry, what? And they don't get it. They can't visualize that because they've blocked that channel because it's become too painful. And as soon as you can start living, it, it just frees you up and you can let go of all these all these bits you've put in place around it as self-protection because we as humans we are massively triggered to avoid pain that's that's what we do isn't it it keeps you stuck as well so I see people stuck in using their vetting skills in a way that's not right for them but they don't they cling on to it because they don't leave because they're convinced that if they leave they will go right back to the beginning they will need to do tons of training they will obviously have a drop in income when when they're purely limiting beliefs they're not true at all they, they can be true in some circumstances but absolutely not across the board um and so that those those fears and as Libby says where people have blocked themselves off to the possibility 
that they could make a change and actually far out earn what they're doing at the moment. It's like that doesn't feel possible for them. Often because when we were children choosing to be vets, we thought, great, I'm going to be loaded until about fourth year of vet school when we're like, oh, shoot, hmm, I'm not quite sure that's going to be the case. But by then it's too late. And so then we have this thing that that's, that's the pinnacle of our earning potential. And because we've had the sort of hope crushed out of us on a money mindset perspective, we then stay stuck. And a lot of the work I do is unpicking that with people and reigniting that hope. Some of that to, can come down to what brings you joy and meaning? What's your vision? How do you want to live your life? What's really important to you? And reverse engineering it from that. So so really, really knowing, because quite often we think that, we, we think that the, the, the thing that you're meant to do is want more money and that more money would fix your life, more money would make you happy, more money would, would solve everything. But actually, sometimes the hoops we have to jump through and the things we have to force ourselves through in order to get the more money to buy the bigger house or the second car or whatever, actually take us away completely from the things that are right underneath our nose that bring us the most joy and pleasure. So I would say to anyone who wants to say doing their vetting, but reframe reframe that, the first thing is, is think about how you want to live your life, what you want to experience what brings your your life joy and meaning and then then it's looking at how can i wrangle the way that i'm vetting at the moment to deliver more than that more of that so i there are many vets i speak to where if they do two or three days a week then they absolutely love the vetting as soon as it gets up to four four and a half five it's not enjoyable anymore so sometimes that could mean you know if if the vetting role that you're in it's unlikely you went to your boss and said i'd like 10 grand more please they'd go oh yes there you go then it it's sometimes it's understanding that if you went down to two or three days a week yes there might be potentially less money in the biscuit tin but if that meant that you could spend for every Friday morning doing creative writing because that's something you've wanted to do for ages and it makes your soul sing. That, or you can go on a lovely long dog walk or you can connect with your child or you can do whatever. That, that actually brings your life way more joy and meaning than if you cranked it up to five days a week so that you could earn more money so that at some distant point in the future, you might have more material things. So some of that can be rewriting your definition of growth, rewriting your definition of success. Money's got heat around it. And the, the problem with money is it's imbued with a lot more power than it deserves because of the power it gives you to change your life. And so people have so much emotion invested in it. And as Jen says, it's sometimes just about a thing. It's just about, I want that car or that house, but they imbue it with this, this sense of freedom. And actually, it, sometimes you get all of that quote unquote success and it doesn't feel that successful. And you get there and realize it was never the money. And, then, and it's only then that you go backwards and go, so what is it? What is it that success looks like for me? What, what does that mean? And, it, and these days it does mean time with my kids. It means time with my, my passions. It means time feeding my soul with doing singing or, or drawing or, you know, the stuff that you don't get to do if you're selling your soul for that 100K. So, yeah, so important to define what it is that you actually want. Thanks so much for listening. It really does mean a lot to us that you do. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it wherever you can and do tell a friend. We would love more of you to join our little community celebrating the veterinary profession and those working within it. Bobberigme is brought to you by me, Naomi Mella, as part of Vet Stay Go Diversify. Thanks to everyone involved this season. Your support is much appreciated.